Christopher Mack. For those of you who don't know, I am one of the pastors here along with Way and Vanessa. And um, not going to be the person who's speaking today, but wanted to briefly just share uh, an update and word of thanks. And that is that Virginia Cumberbatch, who will be uh, speaking today, uh, will be in the near future moving away from Austin, which will be a loss for our city and for our faith community. But we are deeply grateful for the gifts that you have offered to our city, to our community. And, and so grateful for every time that you're willing to step into this space and bring all of who you are and challenge, inspire, and encourage us to walk in the way of Jesus and to be shaped by God's word. And you do it with such a fire and a spirit that uh, animates our faith to not be complacent, but instead to really question and to be challenged about who we are meant to be as disciples of Christ in the world. And so we're deeply grateful, and thank you again for sharing with us. And we know that this is not goodbye forever, and look forward to times when hopefully we will see and get to connect with you in the future. If you will give one more uh, exciting, warm round of welcome for Virginia. He did ask permission to do that, and I regret it because um, now I'm emotional. But uh, thank you so much, Christopher and um, Waylon and the whole team for always the invitation to open the scriptures with you, um, but also just for the journey um, of being a part of this community. Um, so good morning. I'm just going to lower this because I don't think y'all can see me. There we go. Um, as always, I'm so grateful for the invitation uh, to be in your presence. Um, while Christopher's invitation uh, via email last week uh, was contextualized as like, would you like to give your last homily? And it was like a little dramatic for me before, before I met. I was like, I want to clarify that while my mailing address will change next month, my love, my appreciation, my commitment to this community, specifically at Vox and Austin at large, um, can't be moved. Um, and so it's an honor. Um, it's a blessing to be nurtured. Um, to be shaped in and to contribute to this beautiful and beloved community. Um, so just in case I don't have another chance to, I want to thank all of you for allowing this space to be a part of my healing and seasons of grief, uh, spiritual expansion and seasons of fortitude and clarity and purpose and seasons of exploration over the last seven years. Um, and perhaps most defining, I, I thank you for the space to invite each of us into deeper conviction and calling in the work of equity and racial justice. I am forever grateful for the opportunity to be encouraged um, in my own life work. Um, the idea that God is um, a God of righteousness and justice and radical love. And so I thank you for the trust that Waylon and Jenna and Christopher and all of you have given me to be a part of this collective work of Shalom. Um, and, you know, I think I probably share this little tidbit as a disclaimer before every time I speak, um, but I think I said it out loud to Waylon over lunch this week that, you know, I always feel a little uncomfortable sitting in this seat on a Sunday, like Monday through Saturday, cool, let's do it. But Sunday, I think it's because as a PK, my mother is in the, the room today, um, and my father, who are both pastors, I always feel a little like um, unqualified or like I don't have the right credentials 
credentials. Um, but as a reminder, you know, this invitation for me is always beautiful because it feels like God's just working something out in me, and I have the great privilege of sharing that with you in the midst. And my hope is that something um, is offered to you, right? So this idea that you're in my living room this morning, um, and we're going to go through something together. <laughs> um, <laughs> So before I jump into our exploration this morning, I want to acknowledge that the month of January, I think, has felt really long. I think someone I saw on Instagram posted, like, um, January has been the longest year of my life, right? Um, perhaps you've had a feeling of exhaustion, um, right? And it's interesting because culturally we position as January as the start of renewed commitments and goals and energy. But by and large, the sentiment over the last few days when checking in with friends, right, has been that, uh, you know, January has felt heavy, has felt confusing, hard, and Lord, expensive, right? Um, and so on this first Sunday of February, I have taken it upon myself to identify some things that each of us can maybe find some comfort or moments of joy or excitement. Um, so here are a few things to look forward to and a few reasons I believe that February has the best 28, sometimes 29 days of the year. And you are welcome in advance. Okay, so we're gonna start off here. All right, y'all, it's Black History Month. Can I get an amen? All right. So newsflash, I'm actually black all year round. But uh, February um, gives us this opportunity to acknowledge and participate and I think holy work, right? So for those of you who are not active card membrane carriers of the black community, um, this perhaps is a space of reflection and acknowledgement and hopefully action around ways you can show up for black voices, protect black bodies, elevate black stories and love the black community. All right, next we have, it's the Grammys are this month. I think it's today, actually. It's a good time to catch up on the pop culture. Um, it's a really good moment for us millennials to realize that we are actually being phased out of the pop charts. Um, I don't know how much we care about this. It's also Fashion Week from Copenhagen to Paris to Milan, right? Um, and, you know, I just have to give a shout out that for me, every Sunday, my fashion muse is Rachel Lee, who's sitting right here every morning. So she's my, she's my fashion week every Sunday. Um, and in the wise words of our generational genius, Robin Rihanna Fenty, she says, I often tell myself that you may not be able to outrun me or outsmart me, but she can't beat my outfit. And those are words that I live by every single day. And so while we will be exploring the scriptures of Isaiah, and yes, there will be revelation, I think Rihanna's words are transformative. Um, then we have the Oscars. Let me speed this along, right? That's always fun. NBA All-Star Week, right? To fantasize about our hoop dreams, our Bayesian Queen's birthday. Um, and, you know, I know I grew up in Texas, and so there's kind of this cultural assumption that I should be predetermined to love football, but the only football I acknowledge can be bend it like Beckham, so I don't care about American football. But, you know, perhaps this is an opportunity for me to expand my interest, right, deepen other understandings of the world, um, or perhaps my childhood crush is just performing at the Super Bowl halftime, and that is reason enough to tune into football. Um, and then there's one last one. Uh, I don't think there might be, maybe. 
Um, oh, this is so awkward. I don't know how that got in there, but yeah, it's also my birthday month. Um, so, you know, if you are a calendar person, you want to put it on your Google Calendar, who am I to stop you? Um, but, you know, I offer this as maybe some reprieve, some reminders of joys in the midst, right? But to be honest, I'm not sure that even these cultural moments are enough to counterbalance the in-betweens. Because in-between is the hard and the heavy, and for some, the dark, and the questioning of where is God? Where is he in the midst of financial, political, environmental, humanitarian crises? Where is his protection, his peace, his presence? Because I don't know about you, but the last few months, my heart and head have been interrupted by these headlines. A stark reminder of the daily concerns of our community and humanity. In the past few months, we have navigated the consequences of climate change, from earthquakes to flooding, the dismantling of affirmative action, the criminalization of healthcare, the erosion of truth in schools, human rights violations, and painful dehumanization of people from Gaza to the Congo. It's heavy, it's visceral, and at times it's all-consuming. Consciously and unconsciously, our mind, our bodies, our spirits are grappling with harsh realities of both present and future. And if you're like me, it feels antithetical to this energy that we're supposed to use to propel our individual purpose and our collective peace. Perhaps it's felt something like this, this reflection from author Dante Stewart. He, if you follow him on Instagram, he's been documenting sort of his daily grappling with his calling and faith. And he wrote this. I have thought about the, the last 117 days that we have experienced collective grief, how every death and displacement we have seen represents a life that we have lived, how grief runs through the body like a never-ending plague. The last few days I have been reading the Bible where the writer says God is a God of justice, a God who hears and rescues the needy, a God who loves and frees the oppressed. But I can't lie and say I haven't wondered where God is in all of this, or even despair that God is nowhere to be found at all. I know I'm not alone in this. I know I'm not alone in feeling like praying is for nothing or that writing is for nothing in the face of great violence. Whatever this is, it feels too much. So this morning, I want us to all consider what makes us feel seen in the midst? What makes us feel secure or safe? And so I invite you to turn to your neighbor or neighbors and take just a few minutes to discuss what's the image or the space or the feeling that comes up when you feel safe and embraced. Anyone want to share what you or your neighbor had to say? You can just shout them out, popcorn style, an image or something that you conjure up when you feel embraced or safe. 
Family. It's a good one. Grandmother. Grandmother. I love that specific image. Anyone else? Movies. Movies. Comfort. Yes. When your cat. That's very specific. When your cat feels it, you are embraced. I love that. Well, this week, as I was grasping with what feels safe, what gives me security, and that knowingness, the image of embrace or a good hug surfaced. And I was sitting at a cafe earlier this week with a friend, and I was reminded of the lyrics from this vacation Bible school banger known as, <laughs> he's got the whole world in his hands. I mean, I know y'all have that cranked up in summer vacation Bible study. Right, it's simple, it's direct, it's complete. It's the reminder that the embrace, the safe haven that exists in God's hands. And it's what Isaiah so passionately offers us in chapter 40. He says, have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is, in, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are all like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. And the thing is, I catch myself complicating and pontificating and reasoning these biblical truths. We try to neatly align them with political identity and geopolitical agendas and our social framings, what we see, feel, hear every day. Because, but that's not the invitation. The invitation is to define and refine the world around us with and through God's promises to affirm that we are daily being held by God's grace, mercy, and embrace. So perhaps this morning, our first opportunity is acknowledgement, to acknowledge the truths shared in Isaiah. To acknowledge means these things. You know, I always go back something that I do get from my mother. She's that person, or both my parents, you know, be like, what did I, you know, I read something I don't know what it means, but that's like, that's what the dictionary is for. And I was like, but what are we paying you to do? Like, you tell me what it means, right? Um, and so, what does acknowledge mean? It means to accept or admit the existence or truth of, to take notice of, to recognize the rights, authority, or status of, right? That we have rights as God's people. To disclose knowledge of or agreement with, to recognize as genuine or valid, and according to the concordance, acknowledgement requires to recognize as fact or truth, to declare one's belief in, to acknowledge the being of God. So how might we acknowledge the being of God, his faithfulness, his holiness, his righteousness? How do we acknowledge that it is he who sits above the circle of the earth, even as the world sits in shambles? Earlier this month, I flew to New York. Um, the primary mission of this trip was to find an apartment and to confirm what part of Brooklyn would feel the most inspirational. Um, and it was very successful, right? I determined that your girl is way too old to not have in-unit laundry or an elevator. Um, and I confirmed that one really can do anything with an amazing fur coat, vegan, vegan fur coat for all of you, right? But the trip also offered me some space for some early year reflection. In the midst of this life decision to move, I've been contending with the fear and anxiety of living a city that has been so much a part of my life story. Grappling with the paradox of purpose versus dreams, 
and whether they are always aligned. In acutely grappling with my response, my role, my reckoning of the daily undermining of dignity, justice, and truth. So how do we contend with the devastating impact of SB 17? How do we vote and politically strategize to respond to harmful legislation? How do we educate, equip, and elevate one another to ensure our rights are protected? How do we stop wars, thwart oppression, and genocide? Where do I go with this profound grief and anger that this state, this country, this world will continue to protect power over people? Dante Stewart posits these internal questions like this. He says, if I'm honest, I've been tired of spiritual practices that have no problem being loud about God, but silent about human beings. I can't trust you if you can't name things as they are. That is not bravery, that is cowardness. We have to dismantle theologies that believe in freedom and hope in heaven, but tolerate injustice and oppression on earth. So back to Brooklyn. I was warring with these anxieties and questions. How could my work here in Austin in racial justice service a meaningful response to all of the ills I shared with you earlier, all those headlines? And in the midst of this trip, God offered this very visceral reminder of his power and presence, and that they reach far beyond what I can see. A friend and I were trying to make our way from Flatiron to Dumbo for some breakfast, um, and side note, I'm usually a train girly, but it was cold, and I had suitcases, so we jumped in an Uber. Um, and our Uber driver tried to turn onto the Manhattan Bridge, but he was redirected quickly by this assembling of police officers. And he told us not to fret, he would reroute, and he'd find his way to the Brooklyn Bridge instead. But as we approached the Brooklyn Bridge, we were again greeted by sirens and flashing lights. And as we followed the police's direction, we saw dozens of people begin to hold hands to make a human uh, fence blocking our transit across all the bridges in Manhattan. I think we have an image. We would later learn this congregation of people was united protests of both Jewish people and Palestinians, demanding a ceasefire, demanding peace. Now this disruption of our morning plans was a reminder that God was at work. He had assigned and he had rerouted and he had made room for his presence, his grace, and his expression of protest, even when I was not aware. His everlasting posture of a God of righteousness, <laughs> right? That his work and his hands were surrounding us. As Isaiah says it, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Perhaps there is power and there is peace in the evidence of God's presence if we just lift up our eyes and acknowledge that truth. Because if we continue in chapter 40, Isaiah says this, to whom then will you compare me or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. Who brings out their hosts and numbers them, calling them all by name? Because he is great in strength, mighty in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? And so, Vox, 
how might we acknowledge God's presence in the midst? How might we find hope and safety by expanding our knowing of God's promises? And as you reflect on that thought, um, I want to sort of embolden that invitation through this quick audio clipping of this Jewish pop group called Susha. And I actually discovered them years ago on TikTok, because yes, I am a cool millennial, I'm on TikTok, right? Um, And I just think their music is so beautiful. And this song, Hashim, it translates to lift up your eyes, which I think is so aligned and appropriate given um, the words that we are introduced to in Isaiah. So we'll just play this quick, quick, quick clip as y'all read this reminder. beautiful reminder, right? That when we lift up our eyes, when we acknowledge what is, it's an invitation for God's presence. And perhaps after that invitation to acknowledge the source of our help, our peace in the midst, there's the opportunity to awaken to God's presence and power. And awaken translates to a revival of interest or attention, the act of starting to understand something or feel something. And I love this definition. Awaken means to come into existence or awareness. So what are we awakening to, Vox, in this moment? What part of God's presence and power can we start to understand more deeply? Because in the midst of this terror, you and I and we, we have plans, we have ideas, we have dreams, we're starting which perhaps are starting to feel distant, in some cases delusional. Like, how can we literally afford such dreams? How do we continue to nourish our families, progress in our careers, experience joy, protect our peace, pursue shalom when the world around us is unraveling so loudly? How can God call us to shalom, ask us to care for one of each other, or expect us to trust and have faith in his promises when his presence sometimes feels feared? far, and his voice of clarity feels faint. But as we are all confronted with these daily traumas, right, there's the opportunity to feel awakened to God's promises. So what does he say? What evidence do we have that this world is being held? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary His understanding is unsearchable. 
He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. And I just find that so good, right? His understanding is unsearchable. So we're busy keeping, you know, seeking reason or evidence, right? Rather than just awakening to the truth of his everlasting power. Because in the midst of oppressive systems, he gives us strength. He gives us power. Last week, I attended the funeral of Judge Harriet Murphy. She was 94 years old, and she was the very first black woman to graduate from the University of Texas Law School, and the first black person to be appointed to a state court in the state of Texas, and the baddest dressed judge of all time. Um, again, really important pieces of people's biography. Um, and I had the profound privilege of sitting at her feet many of times, including interviewing her for my book. This woman defied all odds. A black woman born in the Jim Crow South of Georgia, a mother who went to law school at the age of 40, and who continued to walk in spaces she was not invited to, sit at tables not made for her, and disrupt systems that rejected her. And during her eulogy at Ebenezer Church last Saturday, her pastor brought to light that, her, that even as the first, even as someone considered a trailblazer and a visionary and a disruptor and a leader, her position and her posture, her pretense, was only sustained in her understanding, her acknowledgement, and her awakening to ultimately who was shaping and holding her purpose in the world. At every turn of oppression, subjugation, and terror, he was her source of power when faint in law school, when weary in the courtroom. She was an embodiment of someone who was upheld by the hands of God and committed to this awakening in him, despite the cruelty of the world she faced nearly over a century. And these words are what her pastor used to describe her, her life. He said, we were born to manifest the glory of God made true in us. And I'm convinced the only way someone navigates decades of a world, of a state, of a judicial system that repeatedly undermines your humanity has to be these words. Believe in the better, to believe in your future, to shout in the midst of a country on fire, to stare down lions, to shake the foundations of empire, to make meaning in the face of death, to fail, to create, to live, and to love. This is the stuff of hope. It is not an ascent to nostalgia or myths or lies. It is that audacious belief that one's body, one's story, one's future does not end. Her life, her legacy, was and is sustained by her awakening of who held her, who held her, and who holds us. So Vox, despite the evidence around us, how can we awaken to God's posture of love and liberation here in the here and now on earth. Because this passage from Isaiah offers something of a litany of wondrous attributes of God, right? It is cosmic in scope and universal in significance. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is bigger and stronger and more impossible to comprehend than we could imagine, right? God is described as an embodiment, right? that his work is unrelenting, that it strengthens the weak, that it sustains life, that it restores what is broken. 
And so with this truth, with this acknowledgement and this awakening, perhaps we can posture ourselves to find respite and comfort and even joy in this revelation. In fact, what would it look like for us to anticipate God's presence in the midst? And to anticipate means to prepare for something to happen, coming to existence or awareness, expecting or waiting for something. And this last one about sums it up for me, to look forward to as certain, because that is what and who God is, certain. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We have the opportunity to anticipate God's presence, God's strength, our renewal, our ability to continue to exist and persist and resist all of the headlines of this world and all of the harms in this life. I recall my dad sharing, and I'm about to get emotional because he just walked in the room and no one invited you. Um, but I recall my dad sharing that when I was little, one of the favorite things he experienced is when he would get home from work, I'd run to him and say, Daddy, Daddy. And because he was so much taller than me, the only thing I could hug was his leg. And so I would hug his leg, right, and he would kind of carry me around on his foot. And I had giddiness, and I had joy, and I had peace, and knowing and anticipating his arrival. No matter what was taking place around me, no matter my fears, my hurts, my doubts, my confusion of the world, or my place in it, there was the anticipation of his presence. It is trusting God to bring to pass all he has promised, even when our senses and logic seem to suggest the opposite or appear contradictory. Those who wait on the Lord are those who have the assurance and the inner confidence and the promises he's made to his people. And the things for which we hope are a matter of fact and a present reality that cannot be contradicted by senses or emotions or reason or fear. His grace is enough for all who place their trust, who anticipate his presence. Again, you know, I've been really leaning hard on Dante, so shout out to Dante this week, right? His invitation of anticipation is this. I was doing my devotion this morning, and justice is far from us. But Isaiah writes, we expect light, and there is darkness. We await a gleam of light, but we walk in gloom. And it hit me, sometimes we wait for better days in hope. Sometimes we wait for better days in sadness. To be with God, to be with God is really to be involved with some enormous, overwhelming desire and joy and power which cannot, we cannot control. I conceive of God, in fact, as a means of liberation and not a means to control. It is okay to question God and humanity when the days are dark and evil and exhausting. Questioning and doubt are not the absence of faith. It is the very presence of it. The older I get, the more I realize the greatest threat to my faith is not my doubt, it is my desire for certainty. Faith is not about being certain or right, it is trusting the truth that God's love, grace can be found in even when my faith leaves. So Vox, I'm anticipating in this season of known, unknowns, untruths, transition, and fear about the state of our world, anticipating in the midst 
that I am wrapped in God's embrace, in his hands, that his hands actually are enveloping us in this moment. And so what does it look like to us to sit deeply in the embrace of God's hands, even as the world around us shakes? How might we joyfully anticipate his presence? How can we be reminded every day of the foundational truth that he holds the whole wide world in his hands? And so I'm gonna end my invitation today with these words, but it wouldn't be me if I didn't do it in song. Um, and in honor of Black History Month, um, I couldn't choose one rendition, so I did a compilation of a few voices that I think bring power and beauty to this reminder that he holds the whole wide world in our hands. And so I hope you enjoy these various renditions.
when he's been here Tell me what would I feel When God's been here Oh, what would I feel When it's in his hands Yeah, yeah, yeah Whole world in his hands deeply sit in the embrace of God's hands today and in the days to come. Amen.